You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3. Man, I'm so excited about launching a new series of messages as we enter into the month of February. This is awesome. This is incredible. And we're talking about uh, the next level. Last month, we talked about our core value that God is number one in our lives. And we took the letter G. Today, will be this month, will be the letter O, our core value, uh, gospel-like, G-O-S-P-E-L-L-I-G-H-T. O is that second letter. And here's our core value, opportunity. Opportunity to grow is always before us. Then the next level statement is growing with God's vision to the next level. That's somewhat of a goal of ours. We're asking everyone to, to make that uh, somewhat of a goal as we begin preaching this morning on growing in, in, in grace and growing in knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're going to take that verse, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, and we're going to look at it. I have in your worship guides a family devotion questions that you can take this week, your devotions to the next level. Uh, Maybe this afternoon or someday this week, gather your family or your small group or some friends or roommates in college and just take some time as a result of what God says through the message, take some time to to talk about these questions. They're very interactive, easy to talk about, and I challenge you to do that uh, as soon as as you feel led to do that until we get back together again next Sunday. I'm excited to provide that with you. Look with me on the screen at this verse. And I I want you to look closely at this verse in four different translations quickly as we break it down. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 18 from the King James says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the New Living Translation, rather, listen to the writer. He says, you must grow. You must grow. The urgency of this growth in grace and knowledge. And then Eugene Peterson says it well in this paraphrase, but you, friends, you are well warned. Now, I see the reason why he uses that word warning there as he paraphrases in light of what First and Second Peter, the emphasis there. We'll go to that in just a moment, but pay close attention as he gives this warning. Be on guard, lest you lose your footing. Be on guard. Lest you get swept off your feet by these lawless and loose-talking teachers. Grow in grace. Grow in understanding of our Master, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Glory to the Master, now and forever. Yes! I love that. I love the emphasis there. Uh, And that's kind of how I feel this morning. I really do. I want you to know as I've been preparing this message for the past three weeks and thinking about this text, I I do feel much like Mr. Peterson said here in this paraphrase, glory to the master. Yes. And this is our prayer for you this morning. You know, almost everyone tries to develop new habits and make improvements in the beginning of every new year. Well, guess what? That opportunity's kind of gone away already, hasn't it? New year's already begun, right? January is over, and those new habits and and those new improvements have already been tried by fire just a little bit, right? Am I right? I mean, if you're like me, it, 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 you know, and I'm just being transparent, I've already kind of fallen behind a little bit a few areas. You know, I've got a lot of zeal on January 1, 
But by February 1, I don't know where it went. I mean, I'm just I'm trying to find it, you know. I'm struggling just a little bit. By February, diets have crashed all across America, right? Gym plans have kind of gone to pot, and now we're kind of wondering, you know, the treadmill doesn't look so delicious anymore, you know. And all of a sudden, these improvements. Even experts tell us that the average Christian gets to about Genesis 12, and then all of a sudden they sputter and oftentimes say, well, there's always next year. So it seems like we're experts from Genesis 1 through 12, but we struggle at 13, you know. And, And so I think of this classic question this morning. How can we get from here to there? Here's what I mean. For example, how can I get from being in the worst shape of my life to the best shape of my life? How can I get from being a broke college student with no job to a student that has a job and is flourishing and saving and preparing for the future? How can I get from an idea for a vacation? I've got a good idea, but how can I get from there to sitting on the beach at Waikiki? And watching the waves roll in. I don't think there's a person here who is satisfied with life where it is right now. The truth of the matter is, is everyone wants to grow in some area of their life. I know that there's areas of my life, whether it's spiritual or physical or mental or emotional or relational. These areas that I want to grow in my life. So the real question is this, how do we get from where we are right now to where God wants us to be? And that's the question. As I lay a foundation for the message, how do we grow to the next level? How do we climb those stairs and, and, and grow in grace and knowledge? I, I, I propose to you today that we all know the theory to what it takes to grow. Right? I mean, I know you can read a book that's 375 pages long about how to lose weight and And the author makes a bunch of money off of us. Can I tell you, it's basically two things. Eat right and exercise. I saved you some money. (laughs) That's the theory. At the end of the day, it's just, you know, eat right and and, and work out. A dream vacation. You you can get a travel agent if you want, but I'll tell you, a dream vacation starts with a plan. Where do you want to go? Then what you've got to do is spend less the whole year and save for the vacation. That's it. That's the plan. I mean, if you want to go somewhere, and it's not in the budget. You've got to find a way to spend less and save more. You see, we need a right strategy to help us take the right steps to grow to the next level. Thus, our sermon title this morning, What You Need to Know to Grow. From our text in 2 Peter chapter number 3, we grow as a believer by relying on what God has given us. God's already given us what we need. And what we do is we take little steps in that direction to grow. Relying on what God's already done. From little things, little things we'll see in the scripture, big things grow. They often start little, little steps in the right direction. Little things, little qualities, little virtues, little characteristics. And from those little things, big things grow. Thus, we come to that core value this month. Opportunity to grow is always before us. And growing with God's vision to the next level is the goal of our lives. And thus, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, Peter challenges us. This is a challenge. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, before we get started, I want you to notice the context of this verse. Why did Peter write this? Why did Peter say, but grow in these things. 
Well, one thing you'll notice about the, second P, the, uh, the, the little book of 2 Peter, throughout this book, he's warning us of the danger of falling and losing stability in our lives. And as a result of that, we end up in ruin. We end up in a mess. And I can tell you, you know, one of the things I've, I've seen as a pastor of 30 years of the same church is I have seen, what, and, and, and even at times, there's in my own life, in my own family's life, I've witnessed this along with other lives in our church family, losing stability, losing vision, falling, and ending up in trouble. In our previous verse, we see something. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, notice this, Peter writes this. You therefore, before he says, but grow, you therefore, beloved, know this. Take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow. Don't lose your stability. I want you to grow. Take care. The King James says, fall from your own steadfastness. And then verse 18, but grow. Now, to illustrate this, I want to talk to you about an architectural structure in Italy called the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Has anybody ever heard of the Leaning Tower of Pisa? It's an interesting structure. It's it's an architectural masterpiece. It's only 179 feet tall. That's all. That's all it is. But I guarantee you that's not really tall in comparison to many buildings built today. Even buildings built back then, 179 feet, that's not what it's famous for. And it's not famous for its Romanesque uh, architectural beauty. And, And it is a beauty. It's a beautiful structure. It's famous for one reason and one reason only. It leans. It's what's called the leaning tower of Pisa. And they say it's going to fall. It's going to fall. And I'll come back to that at the end of the message and and talk to you about that because it hasn't fallen yet. They said it should have fallen in 2007. I'll tell you why it hasn't, why it didn't fall in 2007. It was constructed in 1173. It falls at the rate of one twentieth of an inch every year. And right now it is 17 feet out of verticality, out of plumb. Now, do you want your life to resemble that? Do you want your life to resemble a leaning tower, unstable, or are you more interested in stability? Are you more interested in being solid and helpful and permanent in your life? These are the thoughts that that are going through Peter's mind. Not the leaning tower of Pisa, but the thoughts of don't be unstable, rather grow. These are the thoughts going through his mind because it's all about growth in the book of 2 Peter. It's different than 1 Peter. In 1 Peter, he's concerned about the dangers of the outside world like persecution and oppression. We sang a moment ago, I want to be tried by fire. And in 1 Peter, you'll find the the verses that deal with the fiery darts of the wicked and the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And Peter makes warnings against this, and he's very clear, uh, clearly concerned about those outside attacks. But in 2 Peter, he's more concerned about the dangers that come from the inside in terms of deception and false teachers. And he talks about the fact that sometimes when we go through the fire, and we, we, we do pretty well in our Christian lives, we have to be careful, very careful, very cautious, because sometimes it starts from the inside. And on the inside, we become deceived by false teachers or we fall and and go astray and we quit growing. 
So at the core of what Peter is teaching is this, how to go to the next level. And to learn this, we must understand this first. You don't grow by trying to grow. You grow by getting to know God. You don't grow by trying to grow. You grow by getting to know God. And Peter has defined what it means to grow in the knowledge of Christ. And the definition is found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. That's our text today. It begins with reminding us, or Peter begins with reminding us that all spiritual growth begins with salvation. I want you to know those of you in the building today, and moms and dads and grandmas that came to celebrate Xavier and Christian and, and, and Braylon and Donnie and, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Kimberly and Lori. We celebrate those six beautiful new decisions to become brothers and sisters in Christ. Hallelujah. Because growth begins with salvation. Amen? It's awesome. Oh, yes. Second Peter chapter 1, look at it in verse 1 and 2. Simon Peter, a servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained an equal standing. The King James says, like precious faith. Those who have obtained faith by the righteousness. How did they obtain it? By the righteousness of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, listen, all growth begins with God. He gives the gift of salvation. And once you receive this like precious faith by the righteousness of Christ Jesus our Lord, then, then you must grow in that faith. For me, it was 44 years ago. September the 1st, 1978, maybe closer to 45 years, I, I, I received that like precious faith, like my new brothers and sisters in Christ. It was the greatest day of my life. But that was 44 years ago. And, and since that day, there's been this, this idea of growing in that knowledge and growing in that grace. And once you obtain this faith, you grow in that faith. And here's the good news. God has given us everything we need in order to grow. You don't need to rely on yourself. That's the beauty of this. And that's what Peter is teaching here. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. He says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. Notice here, God has given us his power. God has given us his promises. Now, now, now get this as I lay the foundation. And this is encouraging to me. This is not just talking about spiritual growth. It's not just about that. You know, sometimes I think we can over-spiritualize things. It gets a little discouraging sometimes because there's other areas of our lives that we are concerned about, and I've got some good news. God's concerned about those other areas as well. God's concerned about other areas of our life. He cares about your soul. He cares about your emotions. He cares about your relationships. He cares about your work life. He cares about your family. He cares about your physical health. God cares about it all. All of it. God doesn't just want part of your life. He wants it all. He wants every part of your life. Peter answers that question clearly. And Peter gives practical advice and the power that we need to do it. So let's jump into the text, shall we? I want to give you three important things this morning. Three things to sink your heart into and to take with you and a study guide or a a few questions to ask as you dive a little deeper into the text. Three important truths to believe in order for us to grow. 
Now, notice Peter doesn't begin as we start this three-point outline. Peter doesn't begin with something you need to do. Peter begins with something that Jesus has already done. Too many times we emphasize do, 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 and we forget to emphasize what Jesus has already done, 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 done. Amen. Notice in the text, number one, rely. The first thing you need to do in order to to grow is rely on the power of God in order to grow. Rely on God's power. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. He says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Do you see that? We're introduced here to something called divine power. Divine power of God. This is something that God has given us. This is a resource that we can rely on. God has given us his power. It's an amazing thought. Have you ever thought about what divine power can do? It's pretty astounding. I just jotted down a few things. First of all, divine power can create the universe. Not bad. That's pretty impressive. How many of you would say, you know, the universe is pretty impressive, right? I mean, I woke up this morning early before the, the, the sun rose, and man, it was a full moon. It was so beautiful. And I thought, that's what divine power can do. Put a moon out there in space. <laughs> Put galaxies out there. Create the world. Divine power did that. Divine power can sustain all the natural forces of the natural world. One of the things we read in 2 Peter chapter 3 is that there's going to come a day. By the way, he's got the whole world in his hands But there'll come a day when his hands come off of the world. And the Bible speaks about, in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter talks about the world dissolving and burning up. And it's it's astounding what happens when divine power is taken out of a situation. It falls apart. But with divine power, all the natural forces of the natural world stay together. Divine power can transform a life. I mean, I guarantee you, what what we saw this morning was divine power at work. Divine power can take someone who is lost and save them. Divine power can take someone who's in darkness and bring them into light. Divine power. I was on the Sea of Galilee one, a few years ago with some of our church members here. You were with me. And on the Sea of Galilee, that was the place where the winds and the waves began to rock that boat. And all Jesus divinely had to say was, peace be still. And those waves became still. That's divine power. You have access to that. That's, a, that's kind of a wake-up call. You, you have access to that kind of power. Because human beings have limited power. Human beings run out of power. But we have access to God's power, which is an unlimited power that never runs out. Can you imagine having a battery that never runs out? My son has a, a, one of these electric Teslas. And, and we go to Dallas sometimes, and Joe has to map it out and say, Dad, we got to stop and talk Texarkana, because if we don't charge the battery up, we're not going to make it to Dallas. So you stop, and you plug this car in. He has to plug it in every night just to make sure to run the next day. It's a cool thought. It's a cool feature. But I guarantee you one thing, it's all dependent on if that battery has enough power, because that, you ever had a car that you, you let sit for a while, and you go out to start it, and it doesn't, it doesn't start because the battery is what? It's dead. The battery was dead. God has literally, get this, invested divine power in you. That's why he says in Philippians chapter 4 in verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The word strengthen means 
He's put his power in you. The only way I can do all things is because of the divine power that, that he's put inside of me. God has literally invested in me. Can you imagine God the investor? I, I'm, I'm an investment that God has made. And his power is in me. That's why God expects you to, the things that God expects you to attempt, he will enable you to achieve. And so as we talk about goals in real time, God expects us to do some things, but God will in turn enable us to achieve those things. And so we can rely on God's power. Secondly, and don't miss this, we see in the text that we can recall God's promises in order to grow. So we've got his divine power, but what about his promises? Look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. He's granted to us his precious and very great promises. Listen, these promises are great because they come from a great God and they lead to a great life. Amen. You know, I want you to know I've got a great life. <laughs> I've got a great life. Man, God has been so good. But you know, my great life has nothing to do with Erica Pacey. It has everything to do with the great promises that God has given me that have led to a great life. Doesn't mean I've had, done, had, hadn't had problems. I've had a ton of problems. You know, I've had a great life. I have had a great life. Well, it doesn't that mean everything's been great. No, not, I've, had, I've had bad days. I've had troubles. I've had struggles. I've had difficulties. I've committed sins. I've, I've fallen and had to get back up. But I can tell you today, I'm standing here today at age 57, having preached for over 40 years for one reason, one reason only, divine power and great promises. Divine power and great promises. This is what God has given us. This is how he enables us to do great things. I think the best way to illustrate it is through a check. Has anyone ever written you a check? Because you can't do anything with a check until you take it to the bank and cash it. Am I right? The truth is, the money that's in the bank, that's the power. But the check that is written, that's the promise. So tell you what I'll do after the service is I'll write you a check for a million dollars. Amen. How, how, many, how many of you are excited about getting a check for me and dollars from the pastor? Don't raise your hand. No, don't raise your hand. Because <laughs> there's no power behind the promise. <laughs> oh, listen, a promise is only as good as the one who makes the promise. And I can tell you, God has the power and God has made the promise. God has promised that we can escape from the old life and that we can grow to the next level. God has promised us that. It's right here in the text in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 says, so that through them, stop for a moment, time out. What does that mean, through them? Through the power, the divine power, through the great promises of God, through them, we may become partakers of a divine nature. We can escape the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire, but you have to cast the check. You have to cast the check. You have to take the promise and say, I'm going to apply that promise to my life. No matter what comes my way, God's power will be there. God's promises are true to meet any problem in my life. And I can stand and testify that that's exactly true. Anything I've ever faced, his divine power could handle it, and his great promises can overcome. It's incredible. And God's already done that. So number one, we see in the text, we can rely on God's power to grow. Secondly, we recall God's promises in order to grow. And then finally, and in closing, thirdly, don't miss this, 
we need to realize then what we need to do to grow. You say, wait a minute, I thought this was something that, that, that God's already done. It is, but there's a part that we play. Look with me in the text at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. <clears throat> he says, for this very reason, talking about you, talking about Erica Pacey, for this very reason, make every effort, the King James says, add to, make every effort to add to, to supplement your faith with virtue. Virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. Peter now tells us our part to grow to the next level. And it seems contradictory, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, at first glance, it seems contradictory because he just said in verse 3 and verse 4 that God has given us everything that we need. And now he says in verse 5, make every effort to supplement your faith, to add to that. How can you add anything to everything? The answer is this. Growth takes cooperation. Growth takes cooperation. I must have a cooperation with God's operation. God's at work in me, and I need to cooperate with that. I must have a cooperation with God's operation. I'm involved in this process. This is what we call sanctification. And don't don't be misled. Listen, I, 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 I have what's called, and I won't get in the weeds with this, no need to, but we all have, that have been saved, positional sanctification. When someone says, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I'm set apart, they are. I'm sanctified. I've been set apart for God's holy purpose. But there's practical sanctification. There's personal sanctification. There's this idea that, 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 and look at the language in, in these two verses here. They're the same verse, but in different translations. Make every effort, giving all diligence, add to your faith. In studying that, I found it to mean this very specifically. Make every possible effort or intensively exert yourself. That's me. That's my job. That's my part in this process, to make every effort. Listen, salvation is a gift, and this is not speaking about salvation. That's verse 1. Like precious faith, clearly obtained a faith of equal standing. If you have done that, you are saved. Salvation is a gift. Sanctification, that's teamwork. You don't sit back and watch it happen. No Christian's ever just sat back and groaned. You don't just sit back and say, well, I'll just wait and see what happens. <laughs> I'm sure if I just sit here, it'll all work out, and I'll become a better dad, a better Christian, a better parent, a better soul winner. I'll just sit here. It'll all work out. No flower ever grew that was just seeds were planted and it was never watered it was never nurtured no minerals nothing at all no plant a plant doesn't just say a flower doesn't just say i think i'll just grow you gotta add to the flower you gotta add to the soil you are involved in the process because spiritual growth is never accidental it is always intentional Paul wrote the same thought but used different words in the book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 12 where he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. Work out. I've read that a lot and to be honest with you, there have been times 
not just this scripture, but other scriptures sometimes puzzle me. Is it okay to say that as a pastor, that sometimes I can be puzzled by a passage of scripture? Is that okay? I'm a little puzzled by that. And, but then I see what it's followed by. The next verse often clears the puzzle up. It is God who works in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. It's the same thought as 2 Peter chapter 1. God works in you. He gives you the power. He makes the promise. But you must work it out. You must make the effort. I love the NLT here in this same passage. Dear friends, you always followed my instruction when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard. Work hard to show the result of your salvation. Obeying God with deep fear and reverence. Philippians chapter 2 in the message, Eugene Peterson puts it like this. What I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've been doing from the beginning. When I was living among you, and you were living in responsive obedience, now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. What I wrote down was, go to the next level. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy and energy deep within you. God himself willing and working. You know, when I think about that energy, I couldn't help but to think about, uh, and to God be the glory for the energy of a Josh Oglesby who, who used that, who doubled down and was able to be a part of God working in him, God giving him power, God making a promise that be, if he'll be faithful to give the word and to love people, three students can come to know Jesus Christ and be baptized. Hallelujah. That's God working in someone who's energetic, who's letting the power and promises of God be evident in their life. Oh, this is so powerful. Peter says here, listen, don't miss this church. He says we are to supplement our faith. If we are really depending on God's power to give us everything we need, then this must work itself out in some very practical ways. When we rely on God's resources, right? When we rely on the resources God's given us, we're going to take some steps to grow. We're going to go to the next level. And Peter lists these seven virtues, these seven steps. He even calls them, and I like this, and I'll talk about this next Sunday, qualities that all need to be true of us if we're going to grow. Look at them in the text real quickly. I'll count them out as we read them. Help me out, sound man. Wake up, brother. Wake up. Oh, wait. Okay, that is the verse? Oh, thank you. Jerry, my bad. Thank you. You are the man. Here it is. For this rare reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with, count them with me, virtue, one, and virtue with knowledge, two, and knowledge with self-control, knowledge with self-control, come on, class. Knowledge with self-control, three. And self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness, brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. There they are. Seven qualities, seven steps, seven things that God has given us in order to grow, 2 Peter 3, 18, in knowledge. Wow. Seven little things that we need to add to our faith to go to the next level. This is my message next Sunday. Or not next Sunday, I'm sorry, the following Sunday. Next Sunday we have a special service with a guest speaker. But the following Sunday, 
I want to talk to you for a few moments about take your supplements. Anybody take supplements? Honey, raise your hand. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I take supplements. It's good. I mean, there are things that I add to my diet. I add to my life. I add to my health. My doctor says, you need to take this. I think, well, I'll take that, and I'll take this and this and this. I, I want to get my cholesterol down. I want, I'm going to take that supplement. What he says here is take your supplements. Here they are quickly this morning in closing. Number one, virtue. Just a little tidbit for next two weeks from now. Growing in moral excellence through goodness. How can I become more active in doing good for others? Write this down, knowledge. I want to grow in my knowledge through, through God's practical wisdom in his word. What opportunities am I taking hold of to learn God's word? Number three, self-control. This is growing by controlling your passions instead of your passions controlling you. Where do I need to exercise more self-control? Is it in my eating and drinking? Is it in what I watch? Is it how, in how little I sleep or how much I sleep? Is it in how much I spend? Is it in relationship to my mood, my anger, my tongue? Steadfastness. Growing by pressing on when you feel like giving up. Amen. Where do I need to press on? Jesus, I feel like giving up. I want to be steadfast. Godliness. Grow in a life that flows from a passion for God. How is my love for Christ? What priority do worship and prayer have in my life? Number six, brotherly affection. I want to grow in a generous spirit towards my brothers and sisters and towards the community. God, what... what, what who is that person that I may need to sponsor to the Valentine's banquet? I mean, I know I should, but I just haven't done it yet. Or maybe it's, Lord, who should I give a little money to? Who, who should I help move? Who, who should I reach out to and see if I can do anything for? God, who are you leading me to help and be a brotherly, show brotherly affection to? Number seven, love. Grow in God's compassion for the world and learn to love others like God loves you. Where can I demonstrate God's compassion for lost people? Do I have any friends outside of church? Next Sunday sermon, or two, two weeks from now. Make every effort to supplement your faith. I'm going to explain that in more detail. But in closing, we don't grow on our own. Amen? Oh, listen, we grow by relying on the resources that God has made available to us. And then, and then we make every possible effort to add these things. And that's why I said, from little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow. While the worship team's getting in place, can I say this? We had three basketball players get baptized. Christian. What do you think? You think, you think LeBron James is going to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record Tuesday or, or Thursday? What do you think? Tuesday, all right. I think he's got to score 36 points. Now, if you're a basketball fan, has anybody ever heard of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Raise your hand. He used to be Lou. Okay, that's everybody almost. This guy scored 38,000-plus points in his 23-year career. 
LeBron James is about 36 points shy of passing him up in his 20-year career. LeBron James started in Akron, Ohio. Poor little kid. Had nothing, right? 18 years old. Poor. Had, had, had nothing. And he went to the NBA. Started scoring points. Hit his first bucket. Two points. Kareem's got 38,463 or whatever it is. LeBron James, two. LeBron, you got a long way to go. LeBron says, well, I'll just add a little bit to my game. I'll add some, I'll add some supplements. I'll add some health. I'll, I'll work out harder. And the next year, he's a little better. He wins a championship. He's getting closer. He's five years in. Hey, who knows? This kid may be something. And then 10 years. And then 12 years. And he wins another MVP. And he adds to his, he adds to his game a few things, a few components. He realizes, man, if I'm not careful, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this. Because, you know, you just don't play past 35, 36 at a high level in basketball. What Brady did... That, that, that's crazy in football. You don't do that at age 45, throw 4,000-plus yards. But, but Brady, LeBron, they added to their game. In year 18, he added some things. In year 20, and here he is. From little things, big things grow. This guy's about to become the all-time NBA leading scorer because he hit a bucket and figured out how to add to that some things. Church, listen to me. I know that's a real-time secular example, but it applies I'm only here today 30 years. I, honestly, it is only because of the resources God has provided me and the effort I've made to take advantage of those and add to that, add to his power, add to his promises, these qualities that he specifically says, and if I do these things, I will grow to the next level. If I don't do these things, I will lose my vision. I'll lose my vision. Jordan started the service off by saying, let's grow in God's vision. But look at the next verse in verse number 9. Whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted. He's blind. He's forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. If he doesn't apply these things, he, he doesn't have vision. He doesn't see. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail now back to the leaning tower of peace I know you've been waiting well I said it was going to fall right and it didn't fall in 2007 and you know why because they knew it was going to fall into a restaurant and by the way just in case you're wondering the restaurant is still there you can still go to Italy and eat in that restaurant because what they did was knowing it was going to fall in 2007 they moved it up to its 1838 position. Now it's not going to fall until 2030. They just took that leaning tower and just adjusted it so it wouldn't fall on that restaurant. But I just wonder something. I wonder if the builders of that great architecture ever looked up what the word Pisa means. The leaning tower of Pisa, that little word means this. Marshy ground. Soft ground unstable ground if you build on marshy ground the tower is going to fall but if you build on a solid foundation on Christ the solid rock I stand all of the ground is sinking sand amen oh this morning 
I want to tell you, we're going to speak the name of Jesus over you this morning because let me tell you where the solid foundation is. It's in Jesus Christ. I baptize you in the name of Jesus. It is Jesus that you're building your foundation on. It is Jesus that died on the cross to save you. It is Jesus that gave you his divine power. It is Jesus that made, has made great and precious promises. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's the one who can enable you to do great things and greater works. Church, please, this morning, would you rely on his power and promises and then take the next steps to supplement that, to add to that because of what he's enabled you to do. And if you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus. And this morning, you believe that God is calling you. You know, when I gave the invitation this morning, a young man that I've been praying for for about a year walked the aisle from the back row with his daddy. And I got to lead him to Jesus Christ this morning. It's incredible. Tears coming down his face. Little Carter got saved. I wonder today if somebody here is like that. You've never been saved. And you want to begin growing. But you've never taken that first step into like precious faith. You've never obtained the righteousness of God by faith. This morning, I want to invite you to be saved. To trust Christ. Several of us will be up front. If you need to talk, we'd love to take a moment with you and just share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or maybe you are, you've already just sitting here in this building. You just prayed and trusted Christ as we've been celebrating him. Come let us know about that. Make it public. Let's pray, shall we? Father, Lord Jesus, we come before you right now. Lord, we just want your name to be lifted high in this service. And we pray, God, that everything that we Lord, have shared would be, Lord, to the honor and glory of the only name that is worthy of praise, Jesus. We give you all the glory for what we've experienced in this service, for those six who followed you in baptism, for the wonderful music that's been sung, for the word of God that's been preached, for the fellowship of believers, for the giving of offerings. We give you praise. God, we pray that we would learn to depend upon your divine power and your great and precious promises enabling us to do great things as we supplement our faith with these things. God, help us to apply this message. May we not leave this place the same as when we came. Change us, God. May we build our foundation not upon a leaning tower, but upon the solid rock. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together?